Take care of this gum, otherwise one of you on the front row will be wearing it in a few minutes. So we'll go ahead and spit that out. You guys can laugh. It's fine. You don't have to, but <laughs> if I say anything goofy, just be like, <laughs> it's all good. So <laughs> I am uh, super excited to be speaking at summer camp. What a plot twist. <laughs> what a plot twist, but it's going to be fun. Thank you to everyone in this room with the last name of Jacobs who um, is allowing me to do this. It's super wild, but we are going to have a great time this morning. Lucky for you guys, I'm super loud, so it will be incredibly hard for you to fall asleep. So if you're struggling, don't worry. I'm here. We got this. We're in it together. We're going to have a great morning. So uh, Anthony set me up super nicely today, and I'm kind of going to follow along with that and keep talking about revival because that is just since the beginning of quarantine, I've been crying. I've been a hot mess for months. <laughs> just, just thinking about revival and praying about revival and hearing about revival and reading about revival, man, I'm just so excited. I can't overstate that. But before I get today, if you're part of the quarry, raise your hand. Okay, yeah. Wow, we're like kind of outnumbered, but that's great. Okay, I love all you guys. I just want to say that in front of everybody that I am so proud of the quarry. I'm proud of all of you, but I don't know all of you. So I'm just going to talk about the people I know. I just want to tell you guys publicly, I am so proud 
I was so proud to bring you to camp this year. Like, any of you guys could have preached and would have done way better than me. You guys were praying and reading and asking questions, and I just love you guys so much. I am so for you. Amzie and I are so humbled just to get to, uh, to know you guys, to love you guys, to speak into your life. So just wanted to give you guys a little shout-out. Everyone else, though, I love you, too. I love you so much. And we're going to have a great time today. So we're going to actually look at the life of Joshua. Now, the real ones will know. Anybody ever seen Josh in the big wall? Wow, oh my gosh, not many. Purple slushies, does that mean anything to you? Okay, okay, getting there. French peas. Okay, okay. So if you've never seen the VeggieTale video, Josh in the Big Wall, don't worry about it, but that's just all I could think about when I read this story. I picture purple slushy. But we're going to look at the life of Joshua today and a couple situations that he walked through because I think it really nicely illustrates kind of how to carry revival into the earth and how to walk with God. Because Joshua got called up to do something big, right? Everybody knows about Moses. Okay, another great movie, The Prince of Egypt. Okay, perfect. So you guys saw that movie. Moses was pretty great. Well, Joshua had to follow that up. Moses died, and they were like, okay, Joshua, your turn. I would not have wanted to be that guy. You know, Moses parted the Red Sea and did all kinds of wild stuff. So Joshua had a really big job, but he carried the children of Israel to revival, to the promised land, to the place that they were supposed to go. So I think his life is worth looking at to see what he did and how he was with God. So we're going to start today in Joshua chapter 1. And bear with me, I'm going to read like nine verses. If you need to snooze, do it now. He said, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. <laughs> Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving him. So Joshua is receiving his call right here. And verse 3 said, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given to you. Now, this is an interesting statement because he actually stepped on a lot of land that wasn't his. But God was letting him know in advance, this is yours. You need to take it. That implies like a little bit of like a, a battle, which we'll look at later. But verse 4 says, um, from this in the south to the mountains in the north, from the river in the east to the sea in the west. I'm skipping all the hard words. Don't worry about it. Including all the land of the Hittites. <laughs> Verse 5. <laughs> no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. This is good news. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. So be strong and very courageous. He just said that. He's saying it again. And if you read the book of Joshua, he says that like every single time. <laughs> be strong. Be courageous. What does that mean? You're going to have a chance to be like fearful and scared, but don't do it. Be strong. Be courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. So pay attention to your leaders. Listen to what they're saying. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left, and you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. And he ends by saying, this is my command. Again, be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God 
is with you wherever you go. So thank you for indulging me that long bit of reading, but I think it's important to see how God set Joshua up, right? He said, Moses is dead, so don't worry about him. It's over. Something new is starting. This is my plan for you. You're going to lead the children of God into the promised land, and then let me tell you about six times, be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid. Be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid. So I want to say to you the same thing God said to, Mo, or, um, to Joshua for a moment. If you came to summer camp wondering if you're you're called. You're called. We need you. Revival is here. And you have places that you need to carry that. Just like Joshua needed to carry the children of Israel into the promised land, God needs you to carry revival into the world because a lot of times I think we think about revival being for the church and like it is, that's a given, that's implied, but I want to see revival creep outside the church or like rather explode outside the church, right? I want to see my coworkers in revival. I want to see your family members in revival. I want to see your friends in revival. Revival's for the church, but like it's really for the world. We're saved, right? We're good really, but the world is not. The world is going up in flames. They need revival. They need help. They need Jesus. And so that's kind of the charge that God was giving Joshua here. Like, Joshua, you're good, but you see, you see the children of Israel? You got to take them somewhere. And it's our job to take the people in our life somewhere. God has given us each a realm of insight. All of you know people that I don't know. You got to take them to revival. You got to take them to the promised land. And we're going to look at that a little bit today. And I want you to remember God's repeated message to Joshua. I am with you. I will not fail you, be strong, be courageous, and do not be afraid. So keep that in mind as we look at these stories today. But we're going to hop over to Joshua 6. And this is the veggie tale part. So if you just want to, like, see that in your mind as I'm reading this, it'll really bring it alive. So now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. They had gotten so famous for like winning battles and winning wars that people were starting to be scared of them. And when they saw them coming, they locked the doors and closed the city up because God gave them such favor that they won every war. Have any of you seen Lord of the Rings? Okay, like a couple. This is a fun fact about myself. Those are my favorite movies in the whole world. I laugh, I cry, I get time, I know what happens, but it's just exciting. Reading the book of Joshua is like watching those movies. So if you want to make it more exciting, just picture the Battle of Helm's Deep. You can picture Frodo. That's kind of what's going on here. Lots of battles, lots of beheading, lots of stuff I will not describe to you because when you're reading it, you're like, wow. Lord, I'm glad you don't move in that way anymore because, whoa. So anyways, if that, if that just helps bring it alive, sorry. Sometimes, you know, the Old Testament can feel a little dry. I just try and, like, jazz it up as I'm reading it and really picture it. That way I can make it through because you hit some long stretches in the OT that are, like, hard to get through in your daily Bible reading. So anyways, back to the story. <laughs> I told you all, don't worry about it. If I just say something, just giggle. We'll keep going. So now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut. Because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. And verse 2 says, But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, <laughs> there was some long blasts in the dorm last night. Anybody else? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's relatable. We'll just say it. I know what goes on. 
So <laughs> blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So what we see here is a city that is walled up and closed up. And God is giving Joshua specific instructions of what he needs to do to take that city. But I think it's so interesting um, that after we see Joshua get these instructions, he doesn't go and continue to pray about it. And here's what I see. A lot of times me and a lot of times you... We pray a lot, which is awesome. I could talk about prayer all day. However, we pray and we say things like, God, we need you to move. You know, God, we need you to change things. God, I need you to move in this situation. God, I need you to do something. And God is saying, why don't you stop asking me to move? And why don't you move and I'll move with you? Like, we can go in this together. A lot of times we are spending so much time praying and so much time asking when faith takes action and faith moves. Faith doesn't sit. Prayer is an important part. Prayer is step number one. We see that Joshua went to God, got those instructions. But then what did he start to do? He started to march. He started to move. He started to walk around. And this story sounds cool to me and you because, you know, we're reading it and we're like, wow, the walls fell down. That's so cool. But I doubt that that was actually much fun. Jinx sound like a good time to anyone? My military friends sounds really boring. I don't really like to be out in the heat either. And if you watch the VeggieTales movie, it was so hot. They were sweating. The peas were like, oh, are you dehydrated? You are so in the sun. They were dumping slushy on them. It didn't look like a good time. And you know the people in the city, just like in the movie, were making fun of them. This was a time of war. Can you imagine showing up to battle and you're just like, silent. God told them not to speak. So like they couldn't even explain what they were doing. <laughs> and these people were afraid of them. They were like, we've been hearing about these mighty battles, this mighty army. They showed up and they started walking around and they can't even talk. They're carrying the ark, just walking, just walking. That's not fun. And here's why I want to bring that out. So many times we're praying and we're saying, God move, God move. And then the next time we turn on the TV, there's this tiny little voice that's like, why don't you read your Bible instead? And we don't do it. Why? Because that doesn't sound fun in the moment. Just like marching wasn't fun for them, God's instructions are not always super exciting. But if you do it, they are super successful, right? I don't always feel like reading my Bible, but I do it anyway because I love God and because I want the results. It doesn't matter what I feel like doing. I'm sure, I'm serious, you know, Joshua had a reputation. The, the book says that he was getting famous. Everybody knew about Joshua and the Israelites because they're going around just taking down every city right and left. He had a reputation and he showed up and looked like an idiot. God's instructions were like, you're going to look like a fool. Go for it. March around the city, keep your mouth shut, on the seventh day, blow the trumpets and yell. <laughs> yell. You know, not exciting, not cool, not flashy, not dazzling. Sometimes God is giving us those same kind of instructions like, okay, your march today is going to look like praying in tongues. Your march today is just going to look like reading your Bible. Your march today is going to look like when your coworker complains of a headache and you have the thought like, should I pray for them? That's uncomfortable sometimes right? That's uncomfortable sometimes, but we've got to follow God's instructions. Faith moves and revival moves, man. Revival is a movement. It is an action, but sometimes we're looking for something that is so dazzling when God is saying, hey, 
just do what's simple. Just do what's simple. The results will be amazing. The results will be dazzling. But do what's simple. Just march. That's your instructions. Just march. Just move. Prayer is so important, but we've got to just stop praying for things that we're not willing to carry out. Are you, if you're going to ask God that stuff, are you willing to march around the wall? Are you willing to look like a fool? I don't have too much of a trouble with that. You guys have already seen Morning, I lost all my shame and embarrassment a long time ago, so it's not an issue for me. But it doesn't mean that things are always easy, right? Faith takes action. Joshua started with prayer, but then he followed God's instruction, you know, and we've got to stop asking, why isn't God doing anything? Why are why am I not doing anything, right? If I want God to do something, what do I need to do so he can move? God does not move apart from you and I. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. But he's a gracious God, and he made it super easy. We don't have to wait on him. We don't have to see if he's in a good mood. I'm joking. He's always in a good mood. But, you know, it's not, it's not on him. He's the same. He's always ready. He always has everything we need. It's up to us. He put it in our hands. If we want to see revival, that means I better do something. Not God better do something. I better do something. I better open my mouth. I better throw my hands up and worship. And I better do what he to do. He doesn't operate alone. He needs you. And he needs me. And the Bible describes Jesus as a head and us as what? His body, right? A head can do nothing without a body. In the book of Joshua, a lot of people got beheaded and they did nothing because <laughs> their head wasn't on their body. So in the same manner, Jesus is a head. A head can do nothing without a body, right? But look creepy. So we've got to be the body. We've got to do the movement. The head does the thinking, right? That's where our brain lives. The head gives instructions. The head tells us what to do, but it's our job to do it. And it's our job to move and to carry that out. So that's how God worked with Joshua at the Battle of Jericho. But I think another cool story to look at is in Joshua chapter 10. And it took place at, at a city called Gibeon. And God worked a little bit differently here, and I think it's worth looking at. So if we look at Joshua 10, we'll look at verses 7 and 8 and 12 through if you're taking notes. So verse 7, uh, basically, I'll tell you this. I'll give you a little context. The war had kind of already started. This was super cool. It did describe this in detail. So, like, their plan was... Uh, the army showed up, the guys inside the town were ready for a battle, right? So the first army that came drew those guys out of the town. They left their town. They shouldn't have done that. And the other part of the army was on the back end of the town. Can you guys picture this at all? Are you following me? Okay. So when they pulled them out of the city on this side, the guys on the back side ran inside and took everything. Flawless. But this is one part of the battle that happened. Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left for Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. This is God speaking to him again. Do not be afraid of them, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. Verse 12 says, On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel, and he said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of, you know, that. <laughs> verse, next verse. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. 
is this event not recorded, blah, blah, blah. The sun stayed in the middle of the sky, and it did not set as on a normal day. So this is a miracle. Sometimes we hear these stories in the Bible over and over, and they lose, like, some of their shine. This was super cool. There was a battle going on. They needed the daylight to stay around. So it says Joshua in front of the entire children of Israel said, Sun, stand still. I need you to stop. God told me this land is ours. We're in the middle of this work. Stand still. We got to finish this. And it did. And it stood still. Joshua was in the midst of a battle. And we see that he called on heaven and said, I, I need this. I need this now. God, hold the sun. We need this to stop. And I think it's such a wonderful picture of his boldness. Now, again, we see God is saying, don't be scared. Be courageous. Be strong. I'm with you. So God has hyped him up this whole time. I imagine Joshua's feeling pretty good because God says this to him like every day. I'm with you. Don't be scared. Be courageous. His faith was built to a level where when he was in the midst of a battle or a hard thing, he called on heaven and things immediately ceased and, and the sun stood still so that they could win the battle. And I just love that story because we see Joshua, it's like I can see it so clearly in my mind, he just... He just brought heaven down. He moved God's power to his situation and made a super bold request, right? Who even has that idea? Like, that would not be my friend to shout out, sun, stand still. That's a super wild request, right? But he brought the power of heaven to his situation and said, God, I need that sun to stand still. And I believe a lot of us in here today are saying, God, I need revival. We need your power. Man, I'm looking at the world and I see so much more hell everywhere when we need to see heaven everywhere. I don't see enough heaven and I need to call heaven down to this situation. I need to speak and say, God, we need you to move. Come on. <laughs> We're tired of it being this way. Let's go, God. We need your power to come down. When we see someone who is bound, we need to call down freedom for them and say no you're free be free God bring freedom to this soul right now you know when we see someone who's sick we need to call the power of God down for healing for them I'm talking about lost people you and I know that we've already received healing it's ours and we operate by faith but if you're somebody who doesn't know God man God's got a breakthrough and freedom to you and that's what I want to see and we need to get comfortable making these really bold requests and bold claims and lest I sound arrogant, you might be thinking, can we do that? Right? Are we bossing God around? Can we do that? But the Bible tells us super clearly all throughout the New Testament, all power in heaven and earth was given to Jesus. Would we think it was weird if we saw Jesus make those kind of claims? I wouldn't. He's the son of God, right? He can do whatever he wants. When I go to my parents' house, I can do whatever I want because I'm their kid, right? I can eat all their food. I can do whatever. They don't care. I'm their child, and I'm not embarrassed to ask for it or just take it without asking. So in the same manner, we wouldn't think it was weird for Jesus to be asking God for big things. But too many times we give Jesus a lot of credit and be like, well, he was God. Yeah, but he was a man. And he was a son of God, but so were you, right? So are you. That's the whole point. Jesus died. He rose again. And the Bible says that we are seated with him. We are co-heirs. Those are kind of like old school terms. But what is he saying? You have every right that Jesus has to the power of God. So can I make those kind of claims and demands on God's power? I would say yes. Jesus did it. I want to do it too. I can do it too. We have the authority to command God's power to come when we need it. If Jesus could do it. 
I can do it too. So I want to implore you today and say it's time for us to stop waiting on God, but rather start commanding his power to come into our situations when we need it. Because God is so excited to move on our behalf. You know, um, <laughs> there's this little dog I know. Her name is Roxy. And, you know, there's dogs. And then there's, like, dogs, you know, the ones that can't sit right, the ones with their tongue flopping out. Is anybody on Twitter? There's a lot of dog pictures. So, anyway, there's dogs, and then there's, like, some dogs. And this dog, she just doesn't have any fluid movements. Everything's just, like, you know, just jerking. She's also a boxer, so she's strong. So if she's running your way, just brace yourself and grab any small kids because they're going down. But she's sweet as can be. Here's my point about her, though. This is just so funny. I was praying about this the other day, and I just got to thinking about her. Because God is so ready to move on your behalf. So ready. And the thing about Roxy is she is so ready for anything that involves people. If she had, a, like, a human voice, she would be singing The Little Mermaid and be like, I want to be where the people are. That's all she cares about, okay? When we're on the couch, if you can simmer her down to watch a movie... I have held pee for like quite a long time because it's like, I'm not getting, I'm going to the bathroom. This dog's going to lose her mind over it. Do you guys have dogs like that? If you just even just one leg off the couch, she just comes alive. <laughs> she stands up. She's like, what are we doing? Where are we going? You're like, Roxy, we're not going anywhere. I just have to pee. I just need more water. Sit, sit. But here's why I was having that image the other day. That's just how I see God, man. If, if we're even, like, reaching toward our Bible, he's like, hey, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> he's got his switch going. What are we going to do today? What are you doing? <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go. He is so ready to move with us. So ready. He's like a crazy dog, but he's not crazy. He is ready to move. He's got that twitch going. Whenever you go to pray, he's like, oh, what are they going to ask for? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. What's it going to be? Let's go. And that's just how I see God. He is so, so ready to move with us and move on our behalf. And I just, man, I just have been praying much better. When I see him that way, it's like, oh my gosh, why am I asking for little things, you know? Why am I asking for little things when he can do so much more? And I was thinking the other day, you guys ever hear like a verse in the Bible and you're like, I just have no idea what that means <laughs> at all. So one of those verses for me, I don't even know where it is right now, but it says the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. And I was just like, okay, I'll think about it because I don't know what that means. <laughs> I've even heard it in people's messages sometimes. I'm just like, mm, no, I don't know what that means. So, but I think God was helping me see the other day. I was thinking about that verse real randomly, and I was walking, and it was just like, you know, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. And if I go back to thinking about Joshua and kind of um, these times of war and these nations of war, of, of war, as I indicated, those stories are so full of violence. They did some wild stuff to some people. They're so full of violence, but they used violence because they needed to take that land, right? They needed to seize that land. God said it belonged to them. And in the same way, there are things that you and I need to seize because they belong to us. We've got to get violent in our prayers. We've got to get violent in our asking. If I can say it maybe in more modern terms, we've just got to be like savages when it comes to that. 
Can I tell you something about myself and you'll promise you won't like judge me? Yeah. Leslie was the only one who said yes. <laughs> can, I, can I be transparent? Okay. My coworkers have this running joke about me that is like, Morgan is so sweet, unless she's not. She's super nice, till she isn't. And it took like over a year working there before they, before they kind of like figured this out. But they've started to say sometimes, Savage Morgan. Now, Savage Morgan is not good. That's my flesh. I don't need to walk in that. But sometimes it looks something like this. If it's been like a wild day, all kinds of stuff has happened about work, I may make comments that are something like, you know what? This work is terrible. This person gave us misinformation. I don't appreciate it. And on top of it all, their haircut's real dumb. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not, you shouldn't be like that. That's not kind. And I have had to work really hard to keep Savage Morgan away. That is just part of what God has helped me to do throughout the years. We do not walk in the flesh. And I mean that super seriously. You can talk to me about Savage Morgan and all the trouble that she has gotten me into. So don't be like that. However, <laughs> when, they, when they just make jokes sometimes about like, oh, Savage Morgan, this isn't a good situation. But it happens every now and then, and I'm trying to never let it happen. However, I was thinking of this the other day. <laughs> When I go to pray, I'm starting to turn into Savage Morgan in my prayer life and say, you know what? I am so tired of all this. This is dumb. God, I'm tired of it. I'm not putting up with it anymore. I'm not putting up with depression, and I'm not putting up with anxiety, and I'm put, not putting up with seeing you depressed either. Like, I'm tired of it. That's dumb. I'm not settling for it. I don't want to be that way. I don't want you to be that way. I'm super tired of it. God, let's go. What do I need to do to change this? How do I need to move? What is my march? What are my instructions? Because I am tired of seeing things that way. And you've got to start getting fed up with things in your life, especially somebody highlighted it. The trademark of your generation is anxiety and depression. That is not by accident. What is the, the outcome of those things? Those things cripple you, right? We're anxious. When you are depressed, you can't function in social settings. You can't talk to people. You can't perform well. You don't want to get out of bed. That is so dangerous because you can't change anyone if you're laying in bed, right? That's strategic. That's from the enemy. But here's the thing. It's a lot easier to overcome than we think. Society has made it so big, so big so big and they've made such an allowance for you if you have anxiety no biggie it's okay I understand it's okay you need a few minutes it's okay right and I'm not saying don't be patient with people but I'm saying don't be patient with that in your life <laughs> don't make allowance for the devil to move in your life don't make allowance for him to move because you saw on Twitter all this stuff about self-care and taking care of you. I can't take care of myself. God takes care of me. If I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling depressed, I'm not going to take a bath and pull out my coloring book. I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to pray and I'm going to cry and I'm going to get through it. I'm going to work it through and I'm going to have my hands raised until that joy comes. And I know I got my answer because I will not make allowance for that for me. And listen, I'm saying it for you too. I'm so tired of seeing people that I love crippled with anxiety or depression or problems. I'm tired of it for you. Stop it. Stop letting yourself allow that. The devil can only bring into your life what you let him. He can only do what you allow him to do. So two things kind of as we head towards closing. Let me get a little drink. 
two things I want to clarify because I do think they're worth mentioning and they bring a little bit of sound doctrine to this. This sounds great, but also God is not like a wizard and I'm not going to say, you know, cotton candy appear and it's going to appear because it's not about that, right? But some people get kind of crazy when you're saying ask God for big things. Ask him for big things, but here's a couple of parameters we keep it within. The first one is found in Joshua 1.8. And this is God talking to Joshua. If you remember, he said to him, study this book of instructions continually. What is he talking about? The Bible. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And the same is true for us. Pastor Alvin's message was so valuable the other night. We've got to have the word. Because we know that God's word is his will. So if I want to make these big claims and I want to tell God to move and I want to call on his power, I've got to make sure my will is in line with his will. And I do that super simply by lining myself up with the word. What does the word say is possible? This is how I can call God's power down to anybody who needs freedom because the Bible says it is God's will for everyone to be free. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. So we keep things in line with God's will, but that's super simple if I simply know the word and renew my mind to the word. It's not hard to know what God's will is. He wrote it down for us. It's all in front of us, but I've got to get it in myself enough where my will is aligned with his will. And then I can make these kind of bold claims, and I can make these kind of statements, and I can use my faith to draw on that without any question. You know, we've all been in situations where maybe we're like praying for someone, and, and we feel like kind of nervous, because what if we pray for them and it doesn't work? But this eliminates those nerves because, you know, if we know God's will... And my will is aligned with his will. I know that I'm going to see success, right? And, you know, there is a part to play on the person on the other side. But I believe if I pray for you and, and even if you don't get in, maybe there's some reason you don't receive, like it's no biggie. I planted a seed, you know, and, and as you learn, as you grow and as your will lines up with God's will as you read the word, you'll be able to receive easier from him as well. So that's the first param parameter that this is kept within. And the second is found in Joshua 2.24. And this one is super important. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. That's not the important part. I shouldn't have read that. The beginning. The Lord has given us this whole land. And this is the children of Israel talking. And I think it's interesting, and I think it says a lot of good things about Joshua, that they did not say Joshua has given us this land. They said the Lord has given us this land because it's not about Joshua. This story is really not about Joshua. It's about God. Joshua made himself available to be used by God, but it was God who brought the wonders and God who brought the walls down and, and God who slew all the armies, you know, and God who held the sun still that day. And in the same way, when you're thinking about being used by God and, and we're thinking about moving in revival, it's so important that we remember it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about bringing freedom to people. You know, it's not about my name. And I, I hope no one after this said, you know, I don't, I don't want to hear people say like, oh, you're such a good preacher or that message was so good. I want to hear people say, I am so grateful for the freedom that God brought me, you know, because that's what it's about. And I think that's so remarkable that although Joshua was a wonderful leader and full of faith, and I'm sure that they honored him and loved him, at the end of the day, he had taught them well enough that they said, hey, the Lord gave us this land. 
The Lord won this battle. This was God's power that brought this to pass. And that shows me that Joshua hadn't exalted himself before them as a leader who was looking for the credit or the glory or, or whatever. That he had said, this is God that has done this among us. And in the same way, it's so important that we remember this is about God. And this is about bringing freedom to other people. It's not about me. It's not about my name. It's not about looking powerful or important or like a strong faith person. It's about bringing help to people. Because like I said, I'm just, like Gamzee, you know, was saying, I'm just so tired of seeing people hurting that don't need to be hurting and people broken that don't need to be broken. And just as Joshua dealt with oppressors, um, he was having to win all those battles and, and fight all these wars and um, take all these cities because those things were in the way of the promised land. They were, they were in the way of God's people getting to what they wanted. And in the same way, you and I have been sent against the oppressors and the things that are keeping people out of what God has for them. It's not God's job to deal with them. God's, God gave us the authority. It's our, we've been sent, just as Joshua was sent. We've been sent to come and get those things um, that are keeping people from their freedom. And in closing here, I think it's, I just love this. And several other people have said something along the same lines, so it's, it's really great. But if we look at the end of Joshua's life, we're going to read two verses back to back. And they're in Joshua 23, 14, and then Joshua 24, 31. And Joshua's like literally on his deathbed. These were some of his last words. And I can look them up in my real Bible if we need me to, but it might take me a minute. And I'm not even using my own Bible, so I'm at a real disadvantage. I'm sorry, guys. I pulled a millennial move, and I only brought a New Testament to camp. Okay. In Joshua 23, 14... This is the end of his life, and we see him say, Okay. Soon I will die, going the way of everything on the earth. Deep in your hearts you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true, and not a single one has failed. And we see that although he made these bold claims and he won these big battles, he was able to say at the end of his life, you know, God... There was no promise that ever failed. You came through every time. You were so faithful. And really similarly, in chapter 24, verse 31, it says, The people of Israel, so the people that, that Joshua led, served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him, those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done. And that says to me that even after Joshua died, things kept going because it wasn't about him. Again, it's not about a man. He played a part. He died. It kept going because revival keeps going and God keeps moving. And I know sometimes at your age, it can be hard to uh, think about the future. And even now, you know, sometimes we're just so focused on like today, tomorrow, next year, right? We're not thinking about our kids or our grandkids or future generations. But I do want to encourage you that God sees things generationally. And it's not about you right now. It's about what you're setting up for the future. And there are people that will come after you that will walk in things that you prepared with God, right? And things that you accomplished and things that you grew in. It's not just about us. It's so much bigger than us. And that's why it's so important and so urgent. It's not just about one life. <laughs> it's about the future. You know, for me, I'm thinking it's about you guys. 
right? You guys will, well, a lot of you will probably outlive me not to be morbid, but you know, I'm thinking about you. This isn't just about me. I set you up for success. How can I teach you how to ask big things from God and see results? How can I help you grow in your faith so that 200 years from now, this thing is still moving, right? We've got to do our part to keep it going. And I just love that at the end of Joshua's life, he said, God has been faithful through everything, every battle, every difficulty. But then I just love that it highlights, it says, hey, Joshua died, but this thing kept going. It's still going, you know. God continued to work through the children of Israel and and they continued to enjoy everything God had for them. So it's not just about today. It's about what God needs to do today, but it's also about what God needs to do after us and we've gotta get things ready so that he can do that. So I love you guys. Thank you for hanging with me. Um, If you haven't heard me speak before, then I'm just like a little sorry. I know it's kind of wild, but I'm gonna take a drink. So, Amzie and I would love to minister for you or to you today. And we have some things that are specific, but I think we want to just start by opening this up to anybody who would like to come. We're going to have Amzie pray for the fellas, and I'll pray for you ladies. Um, So we just love you. We love you so much. We are so grateful to do what we do and and to get to do it together. And and just we're just humbled that God would use us. So if you would like us to minister uh, to you, we can have everybody go ahead and stand. And keep it orderly or the ushers might have to get you. But if you would like to be ministered to, we'll invite you to come up here.